usually every December, I start to wait on the Lord and pray and ask God, what's this new year going to bring? My message this morning is entitled, Waiting for the Lord. I'll probably be embarking on a series, at least for the next week or two, Waiting for His Return. Today's message is called, Waiting for the Lord. Well, two years ago, well, more than two years ago, December 2019, I was waiting on the Lord and praying like I always do, God, tell me what, give me the gist of what the theme will be for the next year. And the more and more that I prayed and, you know, always look for something positive, start the new year with a punch and uh, all excited. And uh, the more and more I prayed, Pastor Tom will be able to verify this. Uh, I've said it many, many times. Pastor Jan, she could not be here today. Uh, Pastor Carlos would have heard me say it many times uh, in the prayer meetings. I'd come out of the prayer meetings and I'd say, I don't have a good feeling about what's ahead of us. And so 2020, uh, I, I, I didn't name the year. I didn't, I didn't talk about what was going to happen as much as I normally would. I sensed a heaviness and a very strong word from the Lord that we were heading into some difficult times. And because I like to be positive, I didn't bring that to the pulpit. But I've talked to my pastoral team. Uh, I've said it occasionally on Tuesdays when we have staff meetings. I've mentioned things like that. And January 20, 2020, uh, it was uh, confirmed, the first U.S. laboratory confirmed case of COVID-19. Now, when I had this hesitation, it was before we even knew of COVID-19. It was before we ever heard of what had broken out in Wuhan. And uh, sure enough, January the 20th, we had, uh, just prior to the 20th, we started to hear some rumblings about what had happened in China, and we had our first bona fide case here in the United States. Well, really, that was the beginning of a major roller coaster. How many of you can say that we've been on a roller coaster ride since then? We really have. And I want to say from the get-go, I believe that because of the season we're in, and I'm going to get to the that very much so in a moment but because of the season that we're in that the enemy has tried to distract the church the last few years has been a major attack you could get caught up in the politics you could get caught up in uh, the covid pandemic but the enemy has sought to divide the church because a church divided will never come into the throne room of god hello and a church divided will never be powerful in the spirit. And let me explain why. Because the moment you're divided, the spirit of God cannot be divided. So the moment we're divided, we're already in the flesh. And a church divided is a church already defeated because it's not in the spirit, it's in the flesh. And so all throughout the pandemic and while other things were taking place, 
I kept saying from this pulpit that it's not about what political party is in the White House. It's whether or not we, the church, look to the right house. And that we need to become the agents that bring change to America and to the world. If you're not happy with, and right now I, we could probably go right down the middle. People not happy with this party and people not happy with that party. And if we're not happy, if there's any contingent group of people not happy with one party or another, then the problem is that the church isn't on fire enough. So the roller coaster began on June the 1st of 2021, we then had the Delta variant. Now before the Delta variant came, it started in Delhi, in India, uh, but before it came, you remember when we had to close the church down, and uh, thank God we only did that for about four or five weeks, but we kept having church in a parking lot down the street. That was fun, honking horns, right? That was a whole lot of fun. And, and thank God that 18 months before COVID came, God put it on our hearts to start live streaming our services. So we were not taken by surprise. Do you know, there? I'm going to get to the parable of 10 virgins. There were 10 Five were taken by surprise, but more than being taken by surprise, they weren't ready. That's the worst part. It's one thing to be taken by surprise. It's another thing to be totally caught off guard and not ready. But so, you know, God had prepared us in 18 months before a church this size, and we had invested in live streaming, and who knew? I mean, we didn't get a prophetic word from the Lord, but we were moving prophetically. And today, uh, we have between YouTube, Facebook, and other platforms, well over 400 people tune in on a Sunday morning. I think God deserves a clap for that. Amen. Absolutely. And some watch it Sunday night, some watch it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but by the time a week is gone, we usually see about 400 people that have tuned in to various platforms. But by June 21st, 2021, we thought Delta, uh, sorry, COVID-19 was starting to wane. And as it seemed like it was running its course, I, again, I didn't have a peace in my heart. And I said to the pastors, I, we're not out of this yet. And sure enough, then Delta came and hit us. Uh, and uh, of course, we know that story. And uh, then in November the 26th, 2021, uh, the World Health Organization classified a new variant called Omicron, the latest variant that we've had. And it started in South Africa. Now that's really curtailing everything that's happened since December 2019. In the background of all of that, we've had peaceful demonstrations across the nation. We've had violent riots across the nation. We've had political turmoil, and folks, 
let's not get into, let's not allow our brains to go into the slipstream of our political opinions. I'm wanting to prove a point, and I want you to see, and I want you to have confidence that prophetically, while I didn't say things from the platform, God had been speaking. And I'm doing this because there are things that God has now told me to say. And I'm going to say them from the platform, okay? So we're, gonna, we're getting there. We're getting there. But in the background, we had everything from peaceful demonstrations to violent riots. We've had upheaval in our nation. In the background, Russia was strengthening its position in Crimea and also fortifying its bases and creating new bases all around the Black Sea. Wars and rumors of wars. At the same time, uh, by the way, uh, as we all know, just in the last week or so, Russia invaded Ukraine. They went in initially with the, we're sending in peacekeeping troops. How many of you want to have peacekeeping troops like that on your doorstep? This morning, if you didn't see the news, today, February the 22nd, 2022, Putin raises the alert level of nuclear status to special combat readiness. While Russia was preparing the way like an antichrist John the Baptist, China was doing very similar. China has vastly enlarged three military airports on its border that fronts the South China Sea, which also touches Vietnam, Taiwan, and many, many Asian islands. And they, these three airports, military airports, these three in particular, they started to modify. And if we could put the picture up on the screen of the first, the one with the airports and Taiwan. And uh, out of three airports, one was, I think, 135 miles away from Taipei, which is the capital of Taiwan, uh, allowing China to have their fighter jets over Taiwan in less than seven minutes. And so the first one was something like 135 miles away. The second one's 173 miles away from the capital. And the third, 248 miles away. And they've been boosting them and fortifying them and enlarging them. At the same time, China has been taking over uh, coral atolls close to Taiwan, claiming them as hers, and building military outposts and uh, launch pads for missiles. And so in the, behind the scenes of all the pandemic, we see a stirring amongst major powers in this nation. I've said many times, again, not from the pulpit, but to the pastors and to staff, that this is the same spirit that was stirring during World War II. In World War II, it was Germany 
and it was Japan. Now we see Russia and China. It might have a different face, but it's the same devil. I'm not calling China or Chinese people the devil. Understand me. Paul makes it clear. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against demonic principalities who manipulate nations and governments. Are you hearing me, church? You need to understand the season and the time that we are in. The Bible talks about when Saul was trying to hunt David down before David became king. The prophet had already put God's seal on David and said, you will be king one day. And even though David was Saul's son-in-law by marriage, Saul was trying to hunt him down and kill him. And in the midst of that, God turned the hearts of the people and men from diff all the different tribes started to gather around David. But there was one tribe in particular. It spoke of all the tribes and it talked about this tribe was really powerful with the bow and arrow. This tribe was really good as swordsmen. Uh, this other tribe was awesome at being uh, spear throwers. And another tribe was ambidextrous. And they were good with the sword in their left hand or their right hand. Chad, I'd like to watch that on a motion picture, right? But then there was the sons of Issachar. And it didn't talk about natural weapons. It talked about a supernatural weapon. It said the sons of Issachar. And it's listing what every tribe was powerful at. What kind of weapon. And it says the sons of Issachar understood the seasons and the times of God. You see, timing is everything. How many, how many times have you ever heard the phrase, timing is everything? Yeah. Timing is everything. It could be the, the victory of a battle or the loss of a battle. Timing is everything. And the sons of Issachar were in tune to the spirit. They understood the seasons and the times. That is a prophetic anointing. I speak to you today not as a preacher or a teacher, but today I speak to you as one who hears in the realm of the Spirit, and I bring a prophetic word from the Lord to you. And I will get to the word, and it will be confirmed to you that, yes, this is a prophetic word from the Lord. We see not only did China start building military bases on coral atolls right not even 80 miles away from Taiwan but she went on and has now built the world's largest number of missile silos uh, having approximately 300 and we're going to quickly just throw two pictures up and then I'm going to get more into the preaching and the word and this is one and then there's another and you can re research this stuff yourself. I'm not telling you anything new or dazzling. These are just world news. It's, these are the facts. It's like the weather. The weather is what the weather is. Approximately eight months ago, we were in prayer meetings. And for those of you who don't know, it's almost four years now, I think, that we've been praying every day. It's only in the last couple of months that we've 
taken Mondays off, and uh, we, we made it a day of rest. But we've been praying every day of the week for the last four years. And about eight months ago, in one of the prayer meetings, the Spirit of God, I even saw a vision. It was a very short vision. But I saw a sickle, like somewhat like the Grim Reaper has. And uh, I saw a sickle, and it was cutting down the fields. But I also saw like a combine harvester. And I heard so clearly as I'm seeing these images before me, I heard the word of the Lord say, you will see judgment and harvest happening at the same time. And I believe that what we've been seeing over the last two years and we will continue to see because it's going to come in waves like labor. It hits a high point, it recedes. You think everything's okay only to find out the next high point is even higher. And then it recedes and there's a calm and there's a resting only for the next wave of labor pains to be greater and more intense. And that's how it is in the realm of the spirit. And so you might see things just drop for a while and you'll take a breath and think, okay, I think we're out of it. We're not. But the good news is that judgment is for the world and harvest is for the kingdom of God. Amen. Absolutely. Give the Lord a clap. And so God's not saying, hey, there's gloom and doom. He's saying in the world there will be trials and tribulation, and there's going to be judgment, but he knows how to take care of his own. I don't have a worship team to turn to over here. I said he knows how to take care of his own. The issue is, does his own know how to take care of themselves? Because there were things that five of the ten virgins didn't do. It's one thing to rest in the fact that God knows how to take care of his own. But God is always a God of accountability and he will hold us accountable. And there are things we are called to do. Things that we need to keep ready and keep sacred. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So about eight months ago, I saw this very quick vision, and very clearly I heard God say that there will be judgment, but there will be harvest at the same time. So I'm telling you as a church, you're going to see things get even worse in the world. You will see things, and it'll look like just man's action against man or nations reviling against nation. But it is even a judgment of the Lord coming upon the hardness of humanity in the hopes that they will be shaken and they will soften and they will turn to the heavens and look to God. Amen. Even when God shakes a thing, he shakes it so that it will repent because he loves it. And he wants it to come to repentance, church. That's the heart of God. He is not the mean, angry old man who's sitting up in the clouds who got disturbed from his rest and he wants to take it out on somebody. No, he's the benevolent, wonderful God 
loving, God uh, wanting to reach the world. That's the God that he is. And sometimes he'll allow us to be shaken so that we come back to a very sure foundation. And so we will see, and I'm telling you, you will see. Things will get worse. I don't say that just because of what happened with Ukraine. No, God showed me this back in December 2019. I did not speak of it publicly except to those that were close around me. I like to always be very, very positive. But eight months ago when God said there'll be harvest and judgment, he caused me to understand the church is going to have a great revival. There will be a great influx into the kingdom of God. But you will see two aspects of the church manifesting. You will see both looking identical, but one will be genuine and the other will really be a counterfeit. It will be a counterfeit guised in convenience. It will be a counterfeit guised in laziness. It will be a counterfeit that is guised in a lack of accountability. But you will see the real thing and it will be on fire. It will be full of repentance. It will be full of the, the power of God's righteousness. And it will be vibrant and there will be increase in the kingdom of God. So while the olive tree is being shaken, some will be catching the fruit of the tree. Amen. While the tree is experiencing winds and it is uh, experiencing turbulence, the church of Jesus Christ that is alive will gather in the harvest. It will be a time of harvest and it will be a time of judgment. Praise God. Now, the next thing brings me to the immediate. Five weeks ago, as I'd pray, as I'd meditate, I kept hearing the Spirit of God say to me, tell the virgins it's time to gather up as much oil as they can. I heard it at least three or four times, very clearly, very clearly. And of course, the language speaks of the parable of the ten virgins, which I've already alluded to a little bit. But I want to read it to you, and I want to show you some things that God opened my eyes up to as well. But very clearly, I heard it, and again, Pastor Jan will bear witness. Uh, uh, Paul and Beth, they could not be here today. They have family from out of town. I think Beth even asked me, she said, well, what does that look like? What do we do to gather up the oil? And I said it in the prayer meeting. I've said it several times since then. God told me very clearly, and this is why I'm speaking from the pulpit this morning. He said, tell the virgins it's time to gather up extra oil. What the enemy tried to scatter, now God wants to gather and it's time for the church to come together. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church. We like to say, you know, I, we want to know who we are in Christ. We need to know who we are in Christ. If we really know who we are in Christ, then stop looking to the governments of men and start looking to the government of Jesus Christ. Let's be the church that prays, 
the church that intercedes, the church that fasts, the church that evangelizes, the church that has worship nights, the church that is full of joy because our confidence is in the one who never changes. Can I get an agreement this morning? Amen. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to start to read this passage of scripture. It's only in the five weeks ago God started to speak this to me very clearly. I was still in the middle of the series preaching how to be healed of a double-minded soul. And uh, the Spirit of God started speaking to me. Tell the virgins it's time to gather up the oil. In Matthew 25, Jesus says this parable. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. They were unwise. They weren't careful. They were carefree. Five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. They took oil in jars. I want you to take note of the next verse. Verse 5, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. How many years has the church heard Jesus is coming soon? It's been approximately 2,000 years. I'm going to stop for a moment. Our Hebrew brothers, amongst the rabbinical priests, they go back and study genealogies and they say that the genealogy of mankind is approximately 6,000 years. As you study both the Old Testament and look at modern times, you will see that if human history is just coming on the completion of 6,000 years, completion of 6,000 years, you will find that the first 2,000 years happened before a man called Abraham. And God dealt with the world as a whole. And because man's heart was always inclined towards sin and rebellion, and he would devise new ways of sinning, God visited the earth with a flood. And the evidence of a worldwide flood is etched in the terrain of every continent. And there are stories of an ancient flood that covered the earth in multiple cultures and languages. And that was the first 2,000 years of human history. And then from the time of a man called Abraham, upon whom God put a promise that he would have a promised seed, and that uh, uh, that promised seed would rise up as a king, we have... 2,000 years of the Hebrew people and we see God dealing with them the highs and the lows of that. And then on Palm Sunday, Jesus is getting ready 
to ride into Jerusalem and he's weeping. And he says, Jerusalem, if only you had to recognize the coming of your king. You see, the Bible talks about two comings of the Messiah. The first has already taken place. The second is yet to come. The Bible says that when he comes the second time, it will then be for those who remain on the earth the day of God's wrath. It'll be full-fledged. But the church will be caught up with him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And the church isn't a denomination. The church is anyone who truly allows Jesus Christ to be Lord in their heart. Listen, I don't care what sins you've been involved in. I don't care what people did to you. I care from an emotional perspective, but from a judgment perspective, I don't care. I don't care what people have done to you. That doesn't cripple you and keep you out of God's favor. It doesn't matter what you have by volition engaged in, what sins you have been a part of, the point is that irrespective of color, irrespective of culture, irrespective of beginnings, irrespective of what trauma has been perpetrated against us, and irrespective of the sins we willingly engaged in, there is room at the cross for anyone who will say yes and amen to Jesus Christ. Come on, can I get agreement? Yes, yes, yes. You know why it was a cross? Because God was letting the whole world know for the rest of history his arms are wide open and there's always room at that cross. We are coming in on the end of 2,000 years. Uh, 2,000 years closed with the Hebrew people and uh, some approximately 34, 35 years after Jesus' crucifixion. Just like he prophesied, the temple was torn down. Jerusalem was turned into a dust bowl and the Hebrew people were scattered around the world. They lost their homeland. And Jesus said when the fig tree starts to blossom again, take note because that generation won't pass before the Son of Man returns. And just like that valley of dry bones I referenced during worship, God has gathered the Hebrew people and the doors are opening up again to Israel and she's become a flourishing nation. But guys, the same way the doors closed on Israel and they opened to the Gentile world and the gospel came to the Gentile world, the doors are slowly starting to close on the Gentile world. And the Gentile world is soon going to have a visitation of the day of the Lord. So we are in a phase, a transition where the doors are still open, but they're closing. And the doors are opening to the Jewish world, and Jesus is getting ready to come back. And hence, we're going to see and are seeing judgment and harvest at the same time. I am getting ready for a great revival. I don't know about you, but in my spirit, I am excited in my heart, I sense the Spirit of God is stirring and He's moving. And people, we've always had people drive by and come here to church. In fact, most of you are them. 
You drive by and you come here and you end up telling us 70% of this church has grown because people say, I drive by this place and something kept telling me I had to come. And they come and then they stay and they, they're part of this church. Some have gotten saved. Some were already saved. But in the last four or five weeks, it has been intensifying. It has been intensifying. We've now started to hear people say, I drove past, but I could not. I had to turn around and come into this place. Yeah, the Spirit of God is calling loudly and clearly, and he's getting the bride of Jesus Christ ready. And everybody said, we are the bride. I want to make sure you are. I want you to be the bride that's wise, and the bride that understands the season and the times. So we keep reading. It says uh, they, they had fallen asleep. 2,000 years we've heard Jesus is coming. Look at the next verse. Verse 6. At midnight the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Right? Uh, they trimmed their lamps. Uh, the foolish one said to the wise one, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Watch this. The cry comes out before the bridegroom shows up. The cry comes out. And as I was looking at this in preparation for today's message, suddenly it dawned on me, the Spirit of God will send the message out and prophetic ears will hear the message. A cry will go out just before the bridegroom makes his appearance. There was moments of time where they could ready themselves and trim their lamps. And church, I believe the prophetic word of the Lord is that a cry is going out from heaven. And I, I, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to start hearing preachers preaching about getting ready for the end. Because the Spirit of God is speaking, and the Spirit of God is speaking right here, right now. Amen. It's time to start Gathering the oil, getting full of the Holy Ghost, being in the presence of God, trimming your oil lamps, the wick, trimming it, getting your life, getting your house in order. <clears throat> so the foolish ones went to buy oil and verse uh, 10, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. You see, there was a period between the cry going out and the bridegroom arriving. It's a very short period. The prophetic word of the Lord. I'm telling you, you'll start to hear this message. You'll, you'll turn on your TV to listen to your favorite preachers. And you'll say, Pastor Rob preached that. And, and probably some have preached it before me and I don't even know. I'm not trying to highlight me. I'm highlighting the fact that I believe prophetically a call is going out to the church and there's going to be a call from platforms and from uh, gospel stations telling the church it's time to ready yourself. The bridegroom isn't far away. Amen. Amen. How many of you are looking forward to that day? Absolutely. Without a question. 
Verse 11, later, the other, uh, but when they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. You know what's interesting about the fact that Jesus makes up this parable. A parable is a parallel of a truth in heaven that he wants to bring to earth. And so Jesus defines this parable to illustrate a truth of heaven that's going to happen. Parables are not fairy tale stories. Parables are truths that are about to unfold. They are similarities in heaven and they will affect earth. And the parables are very, very important. And what's important here is that Jesus, who's devising this story to explain what's going to happen, he says, the door was shut. You know, I find that phrase very interesting. Five foolish virgins who did not prepare themselves they weren't full of the oil of the Holy Ghost. They weren't really with it. They were playing games. I find it interesting. He says the door was shut and they couldn't come in. I find it interesting because Jesus at another time said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. In the day of the Son of Man. And what happened in the days of Noah? A cry went out. The midnight hour cry went out and people laughed and people scoffed and they did not ready themselves. But when the rain started to come down and Noah and his family were inside the doors, God himself shut the doors. And the Bible story says they were pounding on the doors to be let in, but it was out of Noah's control. What a, what a parallel in this parable to something that happened at the end of the first 2,000 years of human genealogies. We are now towards the end of the 6,000 years. On the sixth day, God created man. On the seventh day, he rested. At the end of 6,000 years of human history, and all of our rabbi friends confirm that it's just Years around the corner, just a few years. They differ by about a span of 30 years. Then starts the 7,000th year, which parallels to the seventh day that God rested, which parallels to the millennium, where Satan is bound for a 1,000 years and there's rest on the earth. Church, I heard from God and he said, tell the virgins to start getting extra oil. Now's the time to ready ourselves and to push in to the things of God. If you're still home, I want you to really pray about coming out. <laughs> you know, uh, in the Wizard of Oz, there's a phrase, ding dong, the witch is gone, right? She's dead. That's even better. <laughs> Ding dong, COVID's over. Come back to the house of the Lord. 
Let's start rallying each other, stirring each other, and get ready because God wants to bring a tremendous harvest. And that harvest isn't just people who have been scattered. That harvest is even new souls coming into the kingdom of heavy. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready! Get ready! So I went to look up a verse. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. And I was going to tie that to the fact that some trust in political parties. Some trust in the strength of their nation, but we need to trust in the arm of the Lord. Amen. It's very relevant to us. We need to take example from the Psalms. Don't trust in Egypt. Don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in horses. Trust in the arm of the Lord. Let's not be so political that we stop being spiritual. We are spirit men and women first. We are sons of God first. We are ambassadors to the whole world. Why do we then get confused and divided over the government of one land? We are called to win people from every culture and every color and every tribe. And it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to grow into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Because what the world needs now is Jesus. So I looked up this verse and... Uh, I looked at it super fast, and it was Psalm 27. And I immediately go to Psalm 27, and I'm reading through the whole psalm to find this verse. I made a mistake, but I didn't find out till after I read Psalm 27. You see, the reference to the verse I just told you was Psalm 20, verse 7. But I read verse Psalm 27. And as I read Psalm 27, knowing what I was going to preach, I started weeping uncontrollably. And as I spoke, my words were like a blubbering baby. Because suddenly I saw that what I did by mistake, the Holy Spirit did by intention. I want to show you, and to me this is great confirmation that the word I bring you today is not just another sermon, but it's the word of the Lord. In Psalm 27... This is what I read by my mistake and the Holy Spirit's intention. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fail. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. I hope you can understand that I started weeping at this point because most of my sermon was already written. I go on. Verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And I thought, God, you're calling us to get the extra oil. That, that's when we're, we come into your presence 
at home, we come into your presence in the car, we come into your presence here at, at church, and I'm thinking, here David's talking about armies advancing and war happening, but one thing he wants to do, and that is get the oil! Next verse, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Come on, repeat after me. He will keep me safe. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies. Where are you seated this morning? In the heavenly places. Far above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. That's nights of worship too. <laughs> and I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord, and be merciful to me and answer. Next line. My heart says of you, seek his face. And I'm weeping. This is what the whole message is about. It's time for the virgins to seek his face and get filled up with the oil of the Holy Spirit. David says, your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Don't reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will always receive me. Teach me your ways, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise against me, sprouting malicious accusations. But I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I thought that was it, and I thought, what a phenomenal confirmation. David's talking about war breaking out everywhere, and then he's saying, I'm going to run to the house of God and be in his presence. I'm gonna, then he says again, I'm going to seek his face. And that's the call of this message. And then I read the last line. Wait for the Lord. The ten virgins were waiting for the bridegroom. I'm thinking, Jesus how do you do this? This psalm totally fits in with my message. I'm preaching about the virgins waiting for the bridegroom. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. And so church, I want to tell you, some terrible days are coming on the face of the earth. But those of you who make God your shelter will be sheltered in God every day of the week. Amen. But equally important as that is, now's the time for us to stop playing church and be the church of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm a faith man. Some people think, well, if you're a faith man, why are you saying bad things are going to happen? Because the Bible prophesies that. But it ain't going to happen to me. And it ain't going to happen to you. Because if we keep our trust in God and we stay in his presence and full of his word and full of his spirit, 
Like Psalm 91 says, a thousand might fall on my right hand and 10,000 on my left, but it will not come to me. Hallelujah. Amen. Absolutely. You see, the sons of Issachar understood the seasons and the times, and that is a prophetic ear and a prophetic understanding. And I am telling you very confidently that the Spirit of God is stirring, and I see it already happening in this church. In fact, five weeks ago, when he started telling me, tell the church to gather the oil, I could probably say five, six weeks ago, I started to see an increase in tenacity, an increase of passion, and an increase of numbers on a Sunday morning as well. I can't make this happen. But the wind that comes from God's throne does. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you. Thank you. I'm not trying to scare anyone out of complacency. All you have to do is watch the news and that'll scare you. Especially if you don't know the Lord. I know where I stand. And I know we're going to be okay. We are. Just like we've been okay through the pandemic. God will shelter us. Be of good cheer. God is near. Be of good cheer. He lives inside of you. Be of good cheer. The same God who went to the cross and died for you made sure he rose up so he could fight for you. And his days of fighting aren't over. He's fighting for you. And he will bring you through. Like David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God is my shepherd. He has a staff. He pulls me in a line. And he has a rod. And he hits the wolf with the rod. He'll keep me on my toes and on the game, but he'll also slap the enemy right where it hurts. See, church, don't be dismayed by what you're about to hear and see on the news. It's coming. It's coming. Be firm in the fact that God is real and he will be with you in a very real way. I like to preach all positive, rosy stuff. Well, this is positive. The earth might go to hell in a handbasket, but you and I are covered and surrounded by the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's that blood that saves us, and it's that blood that keeps us. Hallelujah. I don't fear for one hair on my head because I know God is my keeper. He looks after me way better than I look after me. I'm doing some work at my house and I pulled the arm of the chop saw down and nearly chopped my finger off if it wasn't for the grace of God. That's how I look after me. But he caused me to miss the knuckle, miss the bone, miss everything. Listen, God, will, God is your protector and he's your provider. Don't be afraid. But by the same token, don't sit on your butt. Don't take things for granted. Don't put God to the test. You walk on the edge of both sides of the line 
and then whisper, oh, well, God will look after me. No. Be a wise virgin who comes and is full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Word, full of the promises, full of making time available to worship God, making time available to be here on a Sunday morning. I want to tell you, people that have been weaned on the bottle of church convenience will have you in and out in 60 minutes. That might work, you know, in and out might work for a burger franchise. It doesn't work for a stabilized, strong, vigilant church body. Amen. We want to run after him. The sad thing about the five unwise virgins is that they were part of the invitation. And the meaning is this, God wants everyone. Maybe things have happened to you in your childhood and you think God could never accept me because of where I've been. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And the same devil who tried to take you down then wants to keep you out of the kingdom of God now. That is a lie. That's why I said earlier, I don't care what you've done or what's been done to you. I don't care from the perspective of judgment. I care emotionally and I want to help you and I want to set you free. But God calls all of us. It doesn't matter how lost we are or how lost we've been. God came to find the lost. So if you're the lost of the lost, guess what? You're his number one target. Don't let the devil tell you God couldn't want me. I don't really belong here. Phooey! I thank God that my past is under the blood of Jesus and you don't know it and you can't see it. He is a redeemer, a forgiver, a reconciler. <laughs> He's the peacemaker. He comes to bring peace to us so that we can make it to God. <laughs> if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes right now. If you've heard the gospel over and over again, but you've never responded if something is saying inside of you, don't put your hand up and something else is telling you, I'd like to, but I'm afraid. Listen to the voice that's telling you to respond. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. You know what that means? Every opportunity he gets, he wants to get in your face in a loving way and invite you to come on in to the wedding. It's your wedding to him. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. Amen. The Spirit of God is talking to you right now. Why don't you cut your ties with all the lies and say, okay, Jesus. Come on, put your hand up right now. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. If there are others, whether you're coming back from having drifted away or whether you're coming for the first time, come on. Put your hand up nice and high and say, Jesus, I want you. I want to be full of you, Jesus. I need you. Amen. Amen. I thank you, Dad, for those hands. I want everyone to repeat after me. Those of you that are watching, come on. 
Don't just sit on the couch. If the Holy Spirit is talking to you, now's the time to say yes to Jesus Christ. This can be just as real. If it's real in your heart, it'll be real in heaven. Repeat after me, the whole congregation. God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to pay the price for all of my sin and my mess. I thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood as a sacrifice to pay the price for my mistakes. Jesus Christ, I believe you are God. And today, I surrender to you. I welcome you into my heart. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for understanding me. Thank you for not judging me. Come live in me. Live with me. In fact, live through me, Jesus. I welcome you now. I receive you now. Thank you, Father, for causing me to be born again. A new life starts now, not by my strength, but by believing in what you've already done. Amen. 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 Come on, those who raise their hands, give them a big hand. Give them a hallelujah.